Welcome to Mission Control, where we give you step-by-step instructions on how to take your e-commerce store to levels only a rocket can reach. Each episode, we'll be interviewing an expert in the e-commerce industry that is going to give you simple, actionable advice on how to attract new customers, retain them, and build a brand that you are proud of. This show is brought to you by the makers of Rocket Car, an e-commerce service and solutions company. All right, welcome to the next episode of Mission Control. I am your host, Alex Ivanoff, with my co-host and partner, Dave Pancham. Today, we have Dan Reagan from UGC Factory, and we're super happy to have you on, Dan. Uh, one of the, the best in the business when it comes to content, creative, influencers, you name it, for e-com brands. And so thank you so much for joining, Dan. Thank, thank you guys for uh, having me on this. I'm super excited to, to get into it. Awesome, as am I, and I'm sure Dave is as well. So uh, let's just get into it, Dan. What do you do? Tell, tell the audience, and you know, what is your specialty? I kind of hinted at it, but you know, tell us what you're currently working on. Yeah, so I automate UGC sourcing. Um, so for the past 12 years, I've been doing influencer marketing um, for all size businesses, started with big agency. So I worked for the biggest media conglomerate in the world, Group M, was head of influencer marketing there, working on things for Jaguar and Ikea, Husqvarna, Marriott, and, you know, big Fortune 500 companies. From there, you know, kind of uh, left, started the world's first Periscope influencer agency, um, kind of hopped on there, and we're doing some some brand activations for like Sony Pictures, uh, Warner Brothers, um, Marriott and some, some other bigger brands. And then from there, you know, moved into ICO marketing, uh, and then kind of took a kind of a back of 180 and then started working with physical products and started my own agency back in 2018 and have been kind of servicing e-commerce brands. I would say like SMBs, uh, since 2018. Nice. So you've been around the block, uh, and obviously a couple of different industries, uh, different various size businesses. Um, how did you land where you're at now working with e-com and, and different, you know, D2C brands at the, at the level that you're, that you're at and what made you want to you know, slim down into that focus? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think there was the, the kind of the always an interest for, for working with creatives. That's been, I think the main underpinning thing around like what I've, you know, tried to try to spend my time doing, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, for, for profit or not. So I've got, you know, lots of hobbies on the side, you know, doing, uh, you know, basically the way I kind of describe it is I'm a media manipulator, right? So whether it's DJing, VJing, uh, which is video jockeying, I do like live video editing, uh, at, at events. I had my own uh, event production uh, kind of company back in Brooklyn, and we did like underground events. Um, so, so for me, working with creative and, and other creators is something that I just want to figure out how I can spend time. And obviously, if I can make money doing it, then that's a, you know, it's it's, it's an added bonus. So, um, so, so you know, for me, it's always been trying to find out how I can monetize. The, that interest and those skills that I've acquired, um, you know, over, over my, my career. And, you know, if you kind of roll it back, so, so today, you know, I'm running a TikTok UGC agency. We've got over 30 clients right now on retainer. The goal, I mean, we're growing at a clip. We're probably going to be at 60 uh, by the end of Q3. Uh, before this, we were doing, I was doing augmented reality 
I actually forgot to mention that in, in terms of uh, the lineage here, but uh, I had an augmented reality agency for about a year and then COVID hit and all of that experimental budget that I had kind of on the table uh, and, and clients that I had on retainer uh, or in the midst of, of a project were like, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to reallocate this and, and be a bit more conservative. So it was at that point where I was like, okay, you know, if this, if this isn't, if this isn't where the energy is flowing, where is, and then, yeah, took a, took a hard look at, you know, the explosive growth that TikTok was happening and saying, well, this is actually compared with augmented reality, simple, right? And, and it's really understanding, you know, for me, it's like understanding how do you, how do you break, break down the language of the media, right? So with augmented reality, for instance, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's animation, it's interaction design, right? It's, it's thinking about what is the narrative? What is the actual story uh, of the, of the, the filter of the experience? TikTok, a lot much more straightforward, right? It's like, what is the, what is the framework? What's the hook? What's the visual hook? What is the verbal hook? What is being spoken? So it's a lot more easy to digest. And so I took my programmatic systematic approach to content, one that actually in retrospect was really sharpened by working in augmented reality for a year and was like, wow, this shit is actually super easy, super easy to break down and communicate. And so that's kind of how I ended up, you know, working in TikTok is, you know, trying to figure out, okay, you have this platform, which is seeing explosive growth, which has arbitrage, right? There's significant, uh, there's significant amount of demand, but there's not enough supply, at least from the ad inventory standpoint. So how can I help all these brands access this, this inventory by making it easy? How do you make it easy? You break it down, right? You build systems, you, you start to um, communicate more clearly when you're able to break things down into bite-sized pieces. And so that's kind of how I've approached TikTok creation. That's why I've chosen to brand it as UGC factory, which is hoping to, you know, essentially drive down, drive down the cost, right. To make this something that's accessible to SMBs and be able to service, you know, 60 clients at a time. Never realized that there's like that double meeting under the word factory. It's really cool. <laughs> I like, I like the naming process there. Um, and you know, that's, and you know, just to jump in about factory, you know, one of my, one of my most admired, you know, figures, you know, that, that I've kind of taken influence from is Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol is definitely somebody that, you know, looked at the systemization of things when it applied to art. Right. So he, he, he dealt in scale. He dealt in scale and whether it was, you know, of one specific uh, piece or, you know, duplicating that piece. And so he uh, self-described his artist space in New York when he was working as the factory. And neat story is he would actually, I mean, a lot of, he, 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 he was, you know, around a lot of different interesting characters, but uh, he, he basically, he basically would feed methamphetamine to these drug addicts that were just around him and looking for this meth. And he's like, well, come to my factory and help me produce this work. 
and that that's just kind of this crazy fun uh interesting re reality of how he was so prolific is he was able to build his his team of creators um and he was he was kind of creating you know uh you know th this kind of environment for for exploration and creation and that's kind of something that i think you know any creator needs is you need you obviously need a place to work you need a need some sort of project to get behind and um yeah i mean i think right now you know through through what i'm working on through ugc factory it's like let's just work with brands let's find brands that need this type of stuff that can help uh, achieve sales so clearly you know i'm happy you brought this up because you're very passionate about this space and and how it evolves over time you've been in it for, i mean when did you start working in it, group m like several years ago i imagine right yeah 2013. okay so we're looking at you know 13 years in this general realm to, you know hopping from different niches but overall it's content media you know creative ideas what you're very passionate about this so what what makes it about you that like is so attracted to this realm and the different like you know mechanics around it this is this is where the attention game is being fought right it's a war we we're, we're we're witnessing the war on attention um you know whether you like it or not it's happening and you could even extrapolate you know this is the war on consciousness <laughs> which i would also agree with um and so, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, it's happening. Let's try to understand this. Let's try to understand. Let's try to make sense of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, what I think for me, it's like, okay, like, let's, let's, let's harness it. Let's, let's figure out how to, um, let's figure out how to use these tools. I mean, cause for me, I have this, I don't know. It's this, it's this kind of vision of myself 30 years from now with, somebody who is 15 years old and this 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 child this this young adult will be engaging with some sort of media that's going to be as far as we can we're concerned right now super futuristic it's going to be probably augmented reality it could even be neural reactive type of, of stuff and, and i think of myself 30 years from now am i going to be that older man that's just like look at what these kids are doing these days i i don't picture myself Hopefully as this not. person i picture myself as the person who's like do you want to play i'm going to be <laughs> i i, I for, for, there's just something about me that wants to continue to stay sharp continue to stay plugged into the latest ways that we can communicate and express using technology and the technological innovations that we're seeing applied to multimedia and TikTok happens to be one of the most popular and democratized set of tools and and as a platform you know one, one that's getting all the eyeballs so for me it's like okay like let's make a business around this let's give me a reason to actually use this otherwise i wouldn't right otherwise I, there's probably other things i'd be much more interested in doing, you know, DJing. That's much more interesting to me to manipulate music and manipulate visuals, things like touch designer, you know, like hot, higher tech, higher concept artwork. TikTok in comparison is simple. And that's, I mean, it's interesting, right? For me to be able to say that, but it's true. I, I think it's straightforward. Like 
I've been doing TikTok since I was 12 years old. Like I, I, my parents bought me a very early on Intel camera when I was, yeah, basically like just going into middle school. And it was the first, one of the first digital only video cameras and it held up to 60 seconds of video at a time. So I would shoot, right? It would run out. I was like, okay, I got to go download, erase, come back. My unwilling brother would be the actor, right? The star of these, these kind of short films and, and, uh, you know, thought experiments, but yeah, I kind of been, you know, using these tools, these, these digital video tools and, you know, digital editing for a while. So, you know, why, why TikTok? I mean, I think, I think it's super interesting. And for me, it's just an extension of what I've always been interested in doing anyway. Right. These were things I was doing in my spare time anyway. Um, so for me, it's, it just seems like a very nice confluence of, of things. Yeah. <laughs> the horizontal version of TikTok basically back in the day. Yeah. So as, since we're getting into TikTok, where do you see this going? Cause everyone's, everyone's very kind of aware of what's happening and there were some people that say, oh, this is not going to be at the level of Facebook. There, you know, there's still that small stigma, maybe not so in the marketer space, but just in the general population of uh, this is just dancing videos or, you know, stupid comedy. And that's not it's not something real that's going to outlast a certain generation, you know, whatever it is, or grow into an older demographic, whatever it is. But, you know, do you think this could be the next Facebook? Where do you see this going? It's not going to be the next Facebook. <laughs> Um, Facebook is meta, right? It's not mm. even Facebook anymore. You know, whether you like it, or, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, meta is, is going to be around forever. Um, as a, as a human being, I have some serious questions about Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and the decisions he's made, um, as a business person, he's, he's, the entrepreneur of our time. He's the entrepreneur of yeah. our age. And yeah, you know, few people talk about him as much as Elon Musk, but you, you look at, you look at all the F8 conferences and, and I do watch them and I say, okay, well, what, what, what is this guy's plan? Like what, what is, cause he, he still runs the show. Like he, it's, he's in a very unique position as a CEO of a company that big and man, they've, they've gone, they've done exactly what they said they were going to do for years consistently, unlike Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk kind of a joke as far as I'm concerned. Like when he says they're going to do something, yeah. like, okay. now it's kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, make another big, bold claim, but Zuckerberg has followed through on, on his game plan. I mean, they, they said, we're going to move into virtual reality and augmented mm -hmm. reality. They've done it. I mean, they're, they're investing heavily into the next media. The next, the next medium, the next big platform is going to be VRAR. Super bullish on it. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be so transformative. It's going to, it's going to shift everything we know about marketing. It's going to turn it completely on its head, <laughs> like in ten years. Um, so, you know, when 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 somebody says, "Oh, well, is TikTok going to be next Facebook?" No, no, it's not. It, it's, I mean, could it be? Maybe. Maybe there's, maybe there's a chance. I honestly, I think the next Facebook is going to be decentralized. Okay. I, I, I think we're, we're already, we're already at a point where there's so such a lack of trust and there's such a, an education that that's happened now that people want their privacy. They want to own their data. They don't feel 
feel great about, you know, having their likeness being monetized off of. So I think a web three solution is going to be the next, the next Facebook. I mean, I've got a friend here in Austin who is building a web three social media platform. Um, I don't know, but that's going to yeah, be the I next one. Few, but it could definitely. Be. I think that, you know what I mean? So, so like, you know, I, I think TikTok is facing a lot of the same problems that Facebook is and has been facing in recent years of, you know, concerns about privacy, concerns about, you know, uh, from the creator economy about, hey, like I, I don't own this, right? Like I could get kicked off at any moment. Um, there's a lot of draconian decision making as to what I can and can't do on this platform. This is all old Web two thinking, so so I, I think I think really what we're going to see is we're going to have the platform. The next Facebook is being built right now. If it's not being built right now, it's being thought about being built, right by by people that are super plugged into the Web three community. And really, it's what's going to have to happen. As far as I you know I I can kind of see it. There's gonna there's gonna be a trigger moment. So if you, if you can recall back to 2014, there was, um, there was a trigger moment when Facebook as a company made a decision to disallow the changing of pronouns on their platform because it was happening left and right. I think some people were doing it, um, you know, to have fun or for, for, you know, potentially, um, spammy reasons. But obviously, some people were actually going through uh, gender changes or, or you know, changing, uh, you, know, you know, their sexual uh, identity, and this pissed off that whole community. The LGBTQ community got super pissed, and they kind of came together and said, "You know what? We're all leaving Facebook as a protest," and they decided to migrate over to this social media platform that was called Ello, which at the time was created for design. The design community for designers and it was very photo focused but effectively had a lot of the bells and whistles and features although more minimalistic that facebook had and what you saw was such a huge movement that was stirred by this one community that in the following weeks millions of people signed up and unfortunately for ello they could their developers couldn't keep up and the servers were breaking and, and eventually, you know, everybody joined it, but nobody ended up really using it. And I think this is kind of where, you know, you have this question of like, okay, well, do you build it and then they will come type type situation. And I think to a certain extent you need some sort of, you, you kind of need some viable alternative, right? You need to have something that's kind of built and ready to, to have that type of, uh, growth as a platform. So I think these are being built. I think these web three solutions are being built. I mean, it's a lot harder to build on web three than it is web two to build a decentralized solution is much, much, much harder. It's going to take much more time and much more resources. But, uh, I think, I think we will start to see, um, some of that movement, especially as these larger platforms continue to, um, you know, continue to do all the, all the things that I think are just ultimately a losing battle, whether it's, you know, censoring information, 
um, you know, deciding who, you know, who needs to get removed and who doesn't, whether they're spam accounts or they're, you know, they're, they're kind of violating policies. Um, and then obviously, you know, the whole revenue share of things, which for the creator economy, we're starting to see alternative options, uh, you know, pop up, whether it's Patreon, OnlyFans, and all these other membership subscription models. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, and it makes sense, right? Because Facebook reaches golden age. And even before then, like you said, starting in way as early as 2014, possibly even earlier, there was so many things controversial that it started to affect it most, mostly in a negative way. You know, we've seen legality, we've seen election stuff, we've seen privacy stuff. Um, there's, you know, spam, like you talked about, we're seeing a lot of that in the news now with like what's going on with Twitter. So it's just a never ending game of, like you said, a, a fight and a war that they're probably going to lose. I mean, if you're, if Zuckerberg's in, in Congress, congressional testimony twice a year, it's probably not good for the company. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so yeah. would you say that that's by nature, just a limiting factor on something like TikTok to become, to reach that kind of golden age where it's everybody of all ages around the world is using it two to 3 billion users and just nonstop 70 to $100 billion in ad revenue. Like it has to, it can't really get there anymore because of these, all these different things that we're talking about. It's like a natural limiting factor. Well, first of all, Facebook and TikTok, I mean, if we're talking about Facebook, Facebook, like as a platform, Facebook is a social network. It's a place where people who know each other come to connect around, right? This is the same thing as Instagram, right? And even WhatsApp. So I think their portfolio is generally about, hey, like these are people that like I have relationships with. TikTok is not that. TikTok is a, is a, it's a publisher. It's a publishing platform, right? It's like, I, I don't know most of the people that I follow on TikTok. And I think that, that that's the case, right? It's more for entertainment and information and consumption. So I, I think, you know, in, in its nature, these are two separate things. And if anything, anything is true about, you know, publishers is that they, they come and go, right? It, it can be very fickle. I mean, look at Netflix. I, I, used, I used to be a Netflix investor in 2008. Wow. I was a Netflix <laughs> subscriber in, two, in 1999. Um, so I'm like, I was huge in film. I was like, this is the best, like, this is the best thing ever. I was super bullish on Netflix, but I could not be more bearish on Netflix today. Yeah. I think I think Netflix has such a broken model. They have not innovated. Uh, I think they're they're actually doing a, a tremendous detriment to art and, and culture. Um, it's all based on an algorithm, and um, you know. You know, I think there, you could probably try to draw a lot of parallels between Netflix and, and TikTok, and you know their their whole their whole approach to content curation. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right? It's like, well, what what is TikTok other than just a uh, a, a connection, right? They're just they're, they're just a distribution platform, and yeah, they've got some you know pretty cool you know, creator tools that are built in, but that's something that could be very easily duplicated. And, you know, Facebook is doing it. They're going to integrate it into their platform. So, I mean, this is, this is a whole different or better approach, right? Like you can use different for a while, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, efficiency and um, TikTok cannot compete 
uh, you know, in the long run with, with Facebook from an efficiency perspective? Not yet, at least. I mean, that, that could change. I mean, if they're able to continue raising capital and, you know, uh, you know, raising their, their ad revenue, then that, that could be a different story. But, um, yeah, I think the big, the big difference is like, look, like I still have Facebook and I still log into Facebook every so often because I have a connection. I have connections there. I have a network there. That, that's not the case for TikTok, not, not at least today. Yeah there's, yeah, there's not that network effect that pulled everybody into Facebook versus TikTok. It's TikTok is just like crack to me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And TikTok has to advertise, right? TikTok has had to rely on advertising to get people in, right? It's like, oh, wow, like, what am I, what am I missing on TikTok? Right? Oh, like, oh, this trend and that trend. And I guess if I want to stay clued in, I have to be on TikTok. But Facebook didn't have to do that. Instagram didn't really have to do that until later on in their, uh, in their life cycle. So, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's just, it's just a different, the way I look at it, it's just a different form of communicating, right? It's just a different way that TikTok has helped popularize styles, but that is now getting blended in across all these other platforms. So, so what we do at UGC factors is say, look, we sell TikTok style UGC, TikTok style, right? Because at the end of the day, we've got clients say, hey, like, uh, we're not really on TikTok. We don't really, we can't be on TikTok for, for whatever reasons. Like we've got CBD clients that are now able to advertise on Facebook, not, but not TikTok. But they're like, but the TikTok style stuff crushes because it's the new, it's the new hip it's the new way of communicating, right? Certain text overlays and certain frameworks. So we want that, but we, we're going to run it on Instagram. We're going to run it on Facebook. So, you know, it's getting to a point now, especially with the latest changes last week that Facebook is starting to roll out, that it's going to be a question like, can, can TikTok hang on? Can they hang on? I mean, Facebook is the, is the social media killer. Right. Yeah. They killed uh, the last one was, you know, Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat's puttering. They're going to they're going to die a very slow death. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know if you saw on that note, the uh, after they did this latest test to kind of mimic a lot of the TikTok style stuff and and experience um, the Kardashians and a couple other celebrities like came out and were like, this is ridiculous. Like Instagram should be more so like Instagram. And I think they've actually responded to that and saying they're going to slow down on that type of beta testing. Um, but you know, what they're so good at is finding out what's, what's working elsewhere and either acquiring it or doing themselves. Right. They've been doing it for 10 years, 15 years. So. I mean, I saw that. It's just kind of like, it's just, yeah, it's just like, uh, I mean, you pick your analogy, like, uh, you know, people, uh, people that are afraid of change, yeah. Right. It's the inevitable. It's the inevitable. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was. And people, you know, that, that, that's not how it is anymore. So and it's happened many you know, times over our history. Like, you know, people, I'm sure there was articles like this when we went from radio to TV, right? People were like, no, yeah. bring my, bring my news on the radio more so than the TV. Cause I don't have time to sit in on the couch. Right. I'd rather listen to the radio or something, you know, whatever it is, like yeah. people's experiences and, and preferred, preferred experiences change over time. And that's, so 
let's talk about TikTok specifically from a psychological perspective then, because I'm really interested in your, your take on this. What is it about this swipe through scrolling feed of vertical video, 60 to 180 seconds, most often shorter than that, um, that is so addicting and obviously the content preference algorithm, all the different things about this platform that one is blown up like crazy, especially since COVID and two makes yeah. other socials want to copy off of it. And, you know, people are just talking about it so virally. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I probably can't speak more. I probably can't speak a lot to the, why is it? I mean, I mean, it, it's systemic something. It, I mean, unfortunately I think people, people are not, I think I think the big crisis we have, you know, people say we're in an oil crisis, you know, we've got a, you know, a crisis of, of you know, racial equality crisis, you know, we've got, you know, wars going around the world. I think one of the biggest crises we have is crisis of, of attention. And the fact is everybody is spending all of their attention on things that are not returning anything. And, and what happens is then you're, you're impoverished, your attention impoverished, right? You have a lack of attention and then we're coming to each other and all of us are, are out of attention. We're, we're say, hey, can you help me? It's like, no, I can't. Right. It's just, just if you had money, right. It's like, we're, we're all out of attention, so we can't help each other. So th this is fundamentally, I think one of the, the, the biggest issues that, you know, it's leading to something like TikTok becoming so popular is that people are just spending their attention. Yeah. I mean, do I spend, you know, how much time I spend on, on TikTok scrolling every week? Not much. Yeah. Like none. <laughs> none. No, you know, honestly, like if, you, if someone could do a study, if they haven't already, where there's like a graph showing the average screen time, because we obviously track that now through iOS and stuff and the average like productivity slash, you know, median income or whatever it is, I'm sure it's a very strongly inversely uh, correlation, right? Inverse correlation. Because what do you, what, yeah. there's no way to monetize scrolling yet. Maybe in the decentralized web three, there will be, which I'm very excited to hear Absolutely. about once that starts becoming mainstream. Yeah. But like right now there's not, I mean, if anything, scrolling more is going to help you spend more money rather than make it or just overall consume yeah. more and, you know, accelerate the economy because you're just experiencing more very like fine-tuned advertisements. So yeah, it's, it, it is a crisis and, and it's definitely been growing over time. And it's almost so much so that Apple had to install the screen time feature yeah. because of the, all the, the blowback in the media about it. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's dopamine hits, right? It's yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm so far removed from what a life like that looks like, <laughs> like, you know, good for you, man. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, obviously we can talk more about, you know, a lot about TikTok, but like just as an entrepreneur, like, you know, I've gradually found myself, you know, changing my behavior over time so that, you know, I have complete focus on whatever it is I'm working on and or doing all day. Right. It's like everything is intentional. Every every minute is intentional. I mean, I, you know, mm -hmm. I actually let me take that. I retract that statement because I I don't like making 
very concrete statements like this because it's not true. It's not true. But for the most part, you know, it, it starts when you know, I get my morning workout in, breakfast. Okay, now I'm going to start going through my emails, doing my deep work. There, there is no time that, that in my calendar, it's a calendar that I follow every day, right? I've got meetings, boom, boom, boom. You know, there is no time for that. <laughs> like, it, like, and, and, and mm -hmm. when, I, when I was first getting acquainted with TikTok, yes, there was intentional scrolling. Say, so, okay, like, let's, let's, let me try to start to understand this. But after time, it's like, okay, well, I can outsource that now. Now I can hire people who do this every week. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about it at meetings. We have a weekly meeting just about creative. Right. But I don't scroll. I'm not the one doing that scrolling. Like I outsource that. And then we'll talk specifically about frameworks. Right. And say, okay, now how do these frameworks apply to what we do? And we're getting to the part where we don't even need to meet about creative anymore because there's not that much more changing. Right. It's the, it, it now it's coming back to like the tried and true models. And yeah, there's like trending sounds and all that, but there's only so much you can do with paid and most of our clients are looking to use this stuff in paid marketing, right? So a lot of the trends, that's just organic stuff. You know, if you're, if you're looking to do stuff as a brand or as a, as a personality, you want to leverage that, that music and those trends, but that doesn't necessarily translate over to selling product or service, right? That a lot of it just comes down to tried and true stuff, man. Uh, Let's see if I've got this one. Yeah, I mean, like literally, like this this book still still relevant. Like even even in the days of you know TikTok. Yeah, for people yeah. listening, it's the, the he's pointing up holding up the twenty two immutable laws of marketing. Yeah, it's a great one. So were yeah, you, were you so do you have something else to add or? <laughs> it's just to close the loop on do you know? I guess the initial question was like why, you know why why are people why are people so addicted to, to TikTok? Is I think they're not clear. They're not clear on how they, and they're not intentional. They're not intentional. One of the things that I've kind of learned um, just to kind of approach a day, and then obviously you keep doing this, is, is how you approach life, is why am I doing what am I doing right now? Why? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing it? Most people are thinking, what am I doing? How am I doing it? But why? Why am if I they, doing? If they even think that, <laughs> some so of the times important. it's so sucked into things. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like I think it's so important to have that ability to, like, be super connected with the long term and the short term at the same time, right? And uh, you know, get just for me, it's like that. That's kind of what keeps me going. You know, I'm, I'm an endurance athlete. I, you know, I run you know half and marathons and do biking and actually learning how to start swimming long distance. And there's a, yeah, I was going to really... ask about that. I've seen you post your, uh, your run paths every morning. You run like eight, 10 miles a day or something like really long distance. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to like inch up and, you know, for me, you know, I'm not trying to push it. I'm not trying to like really say, Hey, I need to run a marathon. Like the goal for me is to run my first marathon, uh, in February where mm -hmm. there there's going to be the Austin half and marathon. So I've already signed up for the half. At least I'll be doing the half. But for me, it's like, look, like that, that's a, that's, that, that's something I've set in my calendar as a milestone. But what I've kind of realized 
you know, in, in the years kind of running an agency and, and just kind of trying to, you know, do, do bigger things is that it's really a matter of trying to get better slowly. And I've actually tried to, um, force myself to even slow down and say, I, I want to, I intentionally want to be slow with this because if I try to get somewhere fast, what I've, I personally have experienced is that there are, there are costs, there are costs to that. And, and in some, in some way, shape or form, there is a lack of sustainability. So I would rather just incrementally and very slowly intentionally get 1% better and no more than 1% better so that, you know, we can kind of, you know, make sure that you're not sacrificing other things. And, you know, there is a really, uh, there's a really great Ted talk. I forgot the guy's name, but he was like the first person to do a comprehensive study on the world's greatest endurance athletes. So effectively Olympians, cross country skiers, runners, long distance swimmers, et cetera, like decathlon, et cetera. And there are quintessentially five different training zones which are used to describe your heart rate, right? And the, and the intensity of your heart rate. And one being the lowest intensity, five being the highest intensity. And after this study of like, I think like hundreds of these world-class endurance athletes, he realized that less than, I think it was like 2% of the time that they were training was in the fifth intensity area. Another way of saying that, right, is like you never want to go all out. Like if you're if you're if you're playing for endurance and in, in the long run, let's be honest, if you're if you're an entrepreneur or if you're somebody who's basically working, like like we're all endurance athletes, right? In 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 our professional lives, we have to be thinking about the long run, right? And I say we have to. I mean, yes, I'm, there there are people that do make, you know, make it make it big very quickly. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore that fact. Right. And, and so maybe, you know, I think there are certain types of personalities where they, they can do it. They can make that happen. Um, I've taken some shots before <laughs> and tried to do that. They didn't work out. And what happened, I was kind of left in a very bad situation, right? Cause I, I was kind of banking on that. So my whole thing now is like, all right, like took those shots, you know, I'm 34. So took those shots was able, now I'm kind of, now I'm all about consistency. It's like, all right, like let's, let's now make sure that this happens a hundred percent, like no question about it. Um, but they're, you know, going back to the, the endurance athlete piece, it's like, you know, their whole thing is they train usually at zone two, zone two and zone three, and they train every day. So, uh, physics, uh, Newton's, second law, I believe, I believe the second law is objects in motion, stay in motion. So, you know, the whole thing about stopping and starting work, you know, I used to work, uh, I used to work crazy hours. Um, and I've, I've had to kind of optimize and figure out what my optimal like working pattern is. But now for me, it's, I, I like to work four or five hours a day, every day and have really good four or five hours 
as opposed to trying to do eight hours or nine hours for five days. So you mean seven days a week? Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe sometimes on Sundays, maybe I'll take a Sunday off depending if I'm traveling um, or I'll just check in maybe an hour or two uh, for communication. Um, But seven days. Yeah. And that way, like I'm, I'm just coasting, right? So I'm just coasting constantly. And so now everything becomes a lot easier instead of stopping on Friday and then having to restart on Monday. I did prop, you know, I did prop work, uh, already for, you know, yesterday I was doing prop work for, for Monday, like deep work, a lot of, a lot of, you know, tabs were open, a lot of research I had to get, get into. So it's great. It's like, all right, I'm already in the frame of mind. I don't have to reframe. Mm-hmm. I have to rewire things. I'm just, I'm just continuing easily, easily, easily. Um, so, so I think that's, that, that was a huge carryover I had from that presentation. I was like, yeah, like I, I I'm going to approach my life as an endurance athlete in everything that I do from entrepreneurship down to athletics. I think it's a really good way of going about it, right? And it goes back to the original talking point of scrolling and doom scrolling and not being intentional with your time and things, right? Like, like we said, you get up every morning or maybe almost every morning and run hour, two hours, right? Eight, 10 miles, whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of people like, you know, you just can't do that if the first hour or two of your day is scrolling on something, right? It's just not gonna work. It's the same goes for Michael Phelps, who was training to be the best Olympian ever in the middle of his training regimen, he can't stop and have <laughs> like a Big Mac and a supersized meal, you know, a couple times a week or whatever it is, a couple times a month, even like, it's just not possible. Like you're going to lose that rhythm, you know? Um, so I think, I think it's a really good way of looking at it is like that 1% optimization, because if you're only focused on optimizing 1% of the time, it's not a whole lot of legwork to think about where, where can I get 1% better rather than how, if I take a 50% day off and then come back the next day and have to reset back to hundred percent, that's a whole lot harder, you know? And the only other thing I'll say on this is, you know, as somebody who was for a couple of years working 80 to hundred hours a week, which I would do not recommend anybody. I do not recommend that. I sacrificed my health, sacrificed, my mental health, my physical health, uh, my social health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, like literally the whole, the whole gamut. Um, and I did my first Vipassana right after that, which is a 10 day silent meditation. Yeah. Uh, that was a, it was a nice like segue into like, whoa, like I need to wake up and, and really try to revert back to something that's more normal. Um, you know, what I, what I kind of realized is like, you know, there, there was this mental aspect of like, oh, I could do a little bit, I could do more, but I could do more today. Mm-hmm. And I could do, but I could do more. And I think th- this is an addictive, th- this is an addictive way of thinking. And I, I think it could be dilapidating and paralyzing and causing extreme anxiety and, and, and extreme um, loneliness as opposed to a way of thinking. It's like, look, like my, my job here, just 1%, just 1% better. You're actually capping yourself and you're in, and, and it's almost that you're, you're giving yourself a little bit of a reassurance. It's like, look, if I have a long-term plan, 
and I know that I'm sticking to that plan and I could do it every day, then I don't have to worry about like I'm, I'm releasing all of that worry and all of that potential anxiety and extra. And yeah, having, again, it's like having focus, having focus, right? It's not doing everything. It's just doing the right things. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you daily meditate, Dan? I was going to ask that earlier. It just kind of read that centeredness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, yes. And I found that, yeah, after doing Vipassana, that was one of the hardest physical things for me, actually, sure. to sit for 14 hours a day. Um, I realized, you know, I had not really been sitting properly my whole life. Um, so it was, I was sweating and we're talking like in a, in a cold room, I was drenched in sweat, um, for, for, and you know, I, I was a collegiate athlete, right? So I'm like, this, this should be easy. Like, this is, what's the problem here? But I think a lot of it also, to, you know, the more you kind of get into it, it's not just the body. It's also the mind because the, well, the mind is, is the body, right? And it is is your thoughts. It's all connected. So I was very, you know, there, there was a lot of things that I was very much tense and, and holding on to. So, you know, it, it's something I, I definitely want to do another Vipassana, uh, maybe this year, uh, if the, if the opportunity arises, but, um, you know, what I've found is that movement, movement and moving meditation is something that is a lot uh, more my style and preference. So when I'm out, you know, running for an hour or biking or swimming, that for me is the way that I kind of clear, clear everything from my mind, just focus on the, the activity, focus on the breath. And, um, th that's kind of how I've found that I build that into my daily practice and people will come up to me and they'll tell me even people that are serious meditators are like, you're, you seem so calm. Like you're so relaxed. I'm like, well, like, yeah, you know, that's, I do that work for that reason. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, you get, you get out of it, what you put into it. And to be a top performer, that's the mindset you have to have with everything. Really. This episode will be split into two parts. Please stay tuned for part two.